So, today's teaching is inspired by Paul McCartney. Uh, um, there was, I don't know if you heard it or saw it, but there was an article that was circulating um, a few weeks ago about how um, Kanye West, who's a popular rap hip-hop artist, did a musical collaboration with Paul McCartney. And the articles were um, about how a lot of Kanye West's fans had no idea who Paul McCartney was. Um, and it quoted some of the the statements made by uh, Kanye's fans in social media. And some of them went like this. I don't know who Paul McCartney is, but Kanye is going to give this man a career with this new song. And who is Paul McCartney? Question mark, question mark, exclamation point, question mark, question mark, exclamation point. This is why I love Kanye, for shining light on unknown artists. <laughs> and some of these statements may have been made in, in jest, um, but there's a truth to it. Um, does anyone here know who Digby Bell is? He was one of the most famous actors in the 1890s. Um, and today, he's forgotten. Um, and I had a friend who is a little more godly-minded than I am. And when he saw this article, the first thing he jumped to was Ecclesiastes. Um, and, you know, he said, this situation here is exactly what Ecclesiastes has promised us. Um, and so, because my mind didn't go there right away, I thought, maybe I should go read Ecclesiastes again. Because um, it's been a while. So that's where we'll be today. So if you would turn to Ecclesiastes, um, we'll start there. And so um, today my hope is to give you an overview of Ecclesiastes and talk about sort of how it was written, why it was written. And it would be my hope that you would then go this week, hopefully, and, and get into it yourselves. It's not a long book. Um, and you can read through it in, in one sitting. And I found, too, that studying... There are different websites that have audio versions of the Bible, and there's some good ones where you can read the text while someone's reading it. And I found that very helpful for this, because you can, just in one sitting, sit down um, and hear it all. And so, Ecclesiastes is kind of the oddball um, book of the Bible. Um, in fact, some scholars didn't want to include it in the Bible at all because it was so odd. Um, and I know, like, it's not a book that you learn when you're a little kid in Sunday school. Um, and when I first read it, probably as a young teenager, it was a real bummer because the, you know, if you know anything about Ecclesiastes, it's like you're familiar with meaningless, 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 you know, or, or vanity of vanities, you know, and over and over again this is said that, you know, Wealth is meaningless, um, you know, fame is meaningless. And so when you're a kid, you know, you still have those ambitions of like, well, I'd like to be maybe rich and famous someday. Um, and so it's not really what you want to hear. But um, as I get older, um, I see it in a different light. And um, one thing that I've learned being here and that Damon has said is that, you know, when you read scripture, look at it in context. And that's why I want to give an overview today, just so that you can get an idea of what Ecclesiastes is um, so that when you do read certain verses from it, it makes sense. Um, because there's, it's, it's a beautiful book of the Bible. It's very poetic. It's, it's kind of dark, um, but there's a lot of good things in it. Um, 
And so, um, you know, typically when I'd read this, it would such a, be such a downer. Um, but in reading it again and looking at it, I don't see it as much of a downer as it sort of alleviates a lot of stress um, from our lives um, when looked at in the big picture. And we'll get into that in a minute. So what are the facts about Ecclesiastes? First, um, it's attributed to Solomon. Um, the book is written from a character's point of view, and the character is Koheleth, um, which means teacher. Um, and even though it doesn't say that it's Solomon, context clues lead us to believe that this is Solomon. However, some people will say that this was written after, like 500 years after Solomon's time. So it may not have been him, but it may have been one of his students that collected um, his wisdom and put it together. And one of the reasons for this is at the very end of the book, um, in chapter 12, another voice comes in and says, this is what the teacher has said. And so it sort of summarizes it almost like an editor. So this is why um, people believe that maybe Solomon himself didn't write this. But um, I think everyone agrees that Ecclesiastes is the wisdom of Solomon um, compiled. And what also is interesting about um, Ecclesiastes is it's, it's sort of a study. Um, it's written from the point of view of a philosopher or a scientist. It sort of has the scientific process. Um, rather than books of um, the prophets where the prophet will say, this is what God told me, and now I'm writing this down and telling you, um, Ecclesiastes is more of a, this is what I'm going to figure out. Um, and it's almost like an experiment. Because um, it, it, it's a study in wisdom. And there are two kinds of wisdom. Um, there's God-given wisdom that we get from prayer and from Scripture. Um, but that is not in Ecclesiastes. What we see is um, ex- wisdom that comes from experience, from living, trying things out, you know, almost the, the street smarts. And so um, that's important to keep in mind when reading Ecclesiastes is that it's the point of view of human experience and knowledge. Um, so it's um, almost like what, you know, a smart human can come or the conclusion a smart human can come to in a vacuum almost. Um, and so there are a couple things that we see repeated a lot in Ecclesiastes. Um, uh, the word meaningless is repeated 37 times. And in 12 chapters, that's a lot. Um, in some translations, the word is vanity. Um, but when I, I was doing my research, I found that, <clears throat> that the word that meaningless or vanity comes from um, is more like breath. That you know, or um, fog or mist, that all these things that the book talks about, um, it just, it doesn't last. So it's not like wisdom has no meaning. Wisdom is very important, and the book will get into that, but wisdom just doesn't last. Money doesn't last. Power doesn't last. All these things are just a breath. Um, In some verses, it describes God as like a gale force wind, like a hurricane. So if you think of... um, you know, God is being these gale force winds and the human experience 
as just basically a wheeze. That's the comparison that's being made, that everything that we do compared to the vastness of God, you know, is, you know, like a, you know, just a gasp. Um, And then the phrase under the sun occurs 29 times in this book. Um, And what that means, again, is that earthly experience. What he's talking about are things that happen under the sun in our physical world. Um, And it's a reminder that God is above the sun. He's above all this. So this experience, these happenings occur to our physical human forms. Um, And... A lot of times, too, in Ecclesiastes, we hear the phrase, I said in my heart or I said in my mind. Um, and again, this is that human experience, that sort of scientific search. It's these conclusions are being made in a human's brain, in a human's heart. It's not necessarily from God. So um, keep these things in mind. Um, and I want to read um, just chapter 1, verse 1, because... Um, it goes right along with the, the whole Paul McCartney articles that I was reading. So, um, chapter 1, verse 1. The words of the teacher, a son of David, king in Jerusalem. This is why people assume it's Solomon. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And again, if we think of that, everything is temporary. Everything is breath. Everything is, is fog. It's not tangible. Um, What does a man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever turning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye has never enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, here is something new. It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. There is no remembrance of men of old, Paul McCartney, and even those who are yet to come, Kanye West, will not be remembered by those who follow. Um, you know, it's, we see this time and time again, you know, things come and go out of style, um, and, you know, fame, it doesn't last. So, you know, what's the point of it? Um, so, I want to, kind of briefly go through the the chapters and hit some highlights um, again to give an overview um, of just what's in this and then hopefully you can read it yourself because like I said there's a lot of good stuff in here Um, so in chapter one you know it's sort of the the introduction we read it everything is is meaningless everything is vanity Um, and nothing is new um, and even to wisdom, the writer says, is, is meaningless. Um, because you can, you know, he, he, this book is his study of, of, you know, wisdom. What, what's the smartest way to live? And, you know, he tried um, everything. 
Um, but like even with wisdom, the more you know, the more grief. That was the point that he made. And you know, you can learn things, but you can't fix every problem. Even if you know what the problems are, it can't be fixed. You know, so what do you do? Um, and then chapter two is pleasures are meaningless. He he tried some hard living. Um, the writer, which I mean, again, leads us to believe that this is Solomon, that he, you know, he tried to live smart. He tried to live devout. That didn't satisfy him. So he just gave in to, you know, every pleasure he could think of, just trying everything. You know, if, you know, if wisdom led to grief, what would, you know, folly lead to? Um, and again, it was a sense of, of emptiness. Um, and the conclusion that he got to was that whether you're smart or whether you're foolish, you still die. So what's, you know, what's the point, more or less? Um, and again, um, in chapter two, it's like work is meaningless. You can work hard, you can earn a lot of things, but you die and it goes to someone else or you lose it all. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're starting to see there's, there's a bleakness here. You know, it's like it would almost make you come to the conclusion of like, well, why bother with anything? Um, and so we can see in the first six books or chapters of Ecclesiastes, he's sort of throwing out the problems and starting the investigations, um, you know, and just trying like, OK, if wisdom doesn't work, does seeking pleasure work? No. OK. You know, neither satisfies. Um, um, but what we start to see him reach is that um, in chapter 2, verse 24, he says, A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This, too, I see, is the hand of God, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? And we see this concept four more times throughout the book. Um, but keep in mind, this is still a very secular Conclusion, you know, he's saying that, you know, in this life, the best we can do is to just enjoy the little things. That these these are given to us from God, you know, and we should just not worry about the big stuff and just appreciate the small things. Um, and that's true, but again, it's still a secular um, viewpoint. And then in chapter three, this is probably one of the most um, famous chapters of Ecclesiastes. It's where the um, the birds song, turn, 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 comes in. It's beautiful and it talks about um, there's a season um, for everything. And with that, you know, I, again, I doubt most of Kanye West's fans are familiar with the birds. Um, but again, I doubt that birds fans are familiar with Koheleth. Um, and that sort of proves the point of the chapter that, you know, things come and things go. Um, but, but why? Um, two reasons. One is that um, even though the writer says wisdom is meaningless, um, it's meaningless in that it, it comes and goes. But it, it, he does say that a certain amount of wisdom is important. Um, and through these cycles of life, it allows us humans to learn. You know, farmers learn the seasons, they know when to plant. So God gives us this repetition throughout nature so that we can learn, so that we can study um, and make the most of it. 
Um, also, too, these cycles sort of embed in our brains the concept of eternity, um, that things go on and on forever. And though we can't fully understand God, this little glimpse of eternity um, gives us a sense of who he is. Um, and again, he's over the sun. We're under the sun. So, um, you know, he, he rules eternity. And then um, in chapter 4, he talks about the oppression, toil, and friendlessness. Um, and it talks about how, you know, rich people, um, because of their money and wealth, can have control over the poor. Um, but it warns that this control can disappear at any moment. Um, and, you know, it warns us not to be jealous and not to compare ourselves to others. That in itself is a form of jealousy. Um, and But in chapter 4, there, there's a point where it gets away from the bleakness and says it is good to have friends, um, that friends can get you through hard times, um, but be careful because friends can let you down too. Um, Ecclesiastes, it's... It's almost like a pessimistic version of Proverbs in that it, you know, it gives you, you know, here's good pieces of information, here's wisdom, but it's kind of a dark side. It reminds me of, you know, if you have an uncle or, you know, like a senior in college that just has done some hard living and is sitting you down and saying, like, let me tell you how it is. Um, that's how this book reads. It's very honest, um, you know, and it. It says, hey, you know, life is going to be hard. Um, but it does also give wisdom within that. Um, and so that brings us to chapter 5. And I want to read the beginning of this. Um, chapter 5, verse 1. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they do. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. As a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. So what this is basically saying is like, when you pray, don't use too many words. Um, and I don't think it's it's a word count that we need to be worried about, but the attitude. What it's warning here is that when you come to God with prayer, um, we're not supposed to try to convince him to do what we want. Um, he already knows what we want before we ask for it. He knows what we need. The idea is that we come to God ready to listen. Um, I just I thought that was interesting. Um, and then in five, chapter 5, it goes on to say that riches are meaningless. Um, you know, obviously we're born with nothing and we die with nothing. Um, so there's, you know, whatever we, we amass during our lives is temporary. Um, and I saw an example of this with um, Jesse and I have been reading the Marx Brothers autobiographies. Um, and it's interesting because they were born very poor. Um, Harpo would talk about how he would um, go to the tennis courts at Central Park 
and wait for someone to give up an old tennis ball so that he could take it home and play with it. But he knew that before the day was over, a bigger kid would come and steal the tennis ball from him. So, again, it's that idea that things are temporary. Um, but then as they started becoming famous, they, as brothers, they had money, and they were investing in the stock market in the 20s, and they had everything in that. And then, again, in the, the, you know, the stock market crash, they lost everything. And then um, in Groucho's book, we were reading that even when he, he had a successful TV series after um, the, the movies that they did, but even then he was terrified that he was going to lose his money and that they would you know, hoard things and just always in fear that, that they were going to lose things. And he was doing very well. And that's one of the points of this, that you know, even if you get wealth, you're constantly in fear of losing it or you need more to be satisfied. And that it's these earthly things just can't satisfy us, like no matter how much we have or how little we have. Um, In chapter six, um, it goes on to say that success cannot satisfy personal needs. And it goes along the same lines um, that just, you know, whatever we get in this earth is on this earth in our lifetimes isn't going to satisfy us. Um, and so that wraps up um, the first six chapters where it's sort of the investigation. It's like, well, what, you know, again, the writer is like, what's the best way to live? You know, is it riches? Is it power? Is it friends? Is, you know, what is it? And um, in 7 through 12, he starts coming to conclusions. Um, and these I'm not going to go through all, obviously, but... And a lot of these is where we get sort of, like I said, the, the dark side of Proverbs. It's, there's a lot of good advice through these, and it's, it's poetic and it's beautiful um, and very much worth reading. Um, in uh, chapter 8, you know, uh, it talks about uh, judgment. And um, chapter 9 also, it just talks about how life isn't fair. If you look at um, chapter 9, verse 11, it says, I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Man, that's bleak. You know, but... um, Something that that it sort of reinforces is that God isn't fair. Um, God is just, but he's not fair. Um, An example of this is, you know, you imagine a father with two kids, you know, and he says to one kid, you take out the trash, you do the dishes, you know, and that might not be fair, but that's how it's going to be, you know, and it's just. And God um, isn't fair, but he's just. His decisions are the right ones. Um, and, you know, we see that play out here, you know, and, um, <clears throat> you know, just this, what I like about this book is that it just says, yeah, you can work hard and you might not get anything, or, you know, you might be very smart and you don't get wealth. It's, you know, it's a lot of it is, is chance. And that, sounds dark but also it's a big relief because it's like it you know don't 
worry about it. What, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Um, and then in chapter 10, um, we see that uh, ambition can be destructive too. I'm going to read verses 8 and 9 because they sort of fall in line with that. It's like Whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. And so this is just saying that you can work and your hard work may pay off with wealth, but you also, here it says you run the chance of your work might be your undoing. Um, you know, because we don't know the outcome of a situation. Um, and the writer here says, but, you know, it's still, it's still important to work. It's still important to have wisdom because, you know, wisdom will make your work easier. Um, but don't try to, you know, don't focus on it. Um, and then chapter 11 talks about, um, you know, even if you are wise, there are just going to be things you cannot understand. Um, and you don't know which of your efforts will be successful. Um, and then that, this comes to chapter 12, um, where this is sort of the end and it sums it up. And basically the writer says, only a, rela- you know, a right relationship with God can prepare you for old age um, and God's judgment. And so, you know, he's saying that everything that's discussed is, is meaningless. It's, but, um, except for having a relationship with God. Um, that's, that's where the meaning comes from. And then, um, you know, then at the end, this extra voice comes in and says, hey, this is what the teacher has said. Um, and that's the end of the book. And it seems very bleak. Um, and this book, there's, there are questions. Like the big question is, what is the best way to live? Um, and the writer goes through investigations and makes some conclusions, but the whole book reads kind of like a shoulder shrug. You know, where it's like, you know, it's good to, you know, he says, enjoy the little things that God gives you. These are gifts, you know, enjoy, you know, eating and drinking and and company of friends. Like, these are good things and just enjoy them while you can. Um, And to have a good relationship with God. But even, you know, but still it's just sort of a conclusion. And so... um, you know, this by itself is dark. But um, what's nice is that this isn't the only book in the Bible. And this sort of represents a good model of what contemporary secular thinking is. You know, but what's nice is we know the answers um, because we have Jesus, because we have the New Testament. Most of these questions that are asked are, are answered, um, you know, because we see that, you know, the writer says that um, there's nothing new under the sun. And that's true. Under the sun, there will be nothing new. Um, but in 2 Corinthians 5.17, you know, we see God can make things new. Um, and then, you know, we see that wisdom is meaningless 
Um, but in Mark, we see that with God, all things are possible. And so this sort of tees up again, Jesus coming in the New Testament and saying, OK, here are the questions that mankind has had through the ages. Here are the answers. Um, and that's kind of exciting. And that's where I see the, the pressure being um, taken off. Uh, and so, you know, the, the big question in this book is, what is the best way to live? And in Matthew, Jesus answers that question. Um, he says, you know, someone asked him, what is the greatest commandment? Which, you know, it's more or less what's the best way to live. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's, I mean, easy in concept, but it's an answer. And it doesn't require wealth. It doesn't mention what degree of wisdom you have. Um, and then um, Jesus also says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Like, that's great. You know, Ecclesiastes just puts all this heaviness on us. You know, this is meaningless. That is meaningless. This, you know, what do we do? But Jesus is like, hey, like, follow me. This is easy. Um, so let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the wisdom that you give us. And Lord, thank you for giving us brains that we can think about things and consider things and try things and experience things. Um, But Lord, thank you for the wisdom in your word and from your Holy Spirit that um, gives us wisdom and guidance that's beyond um, our physical limitations. Uh, Lord, help us to... um, not worry about so many things in this world, but appreciate the things that you give us. And Lord, help us to to focus on you and on Christ, your son. Um, We pray this in, in your name. Amen.